Hi guys, uh, Paddy here once again. Thank you, as always, uh, for downloading the show. This is the It's Not All About Me podcast, a podcast featuring a guy with ME, CFS and a microphone. And that's me, Paddy. Uh, this week, uh, being uh, our, our fortnightly chitter chat week, Uh, It's not just all about me this week. I'm absolutely delighted to say that uh, coming up very shortly, we have a chat with Rosa Devine, who, um, if uh, you know, uh, if you live uh, in any way in the the corner of the Twitterverse, which uh, a lot of us occupy, you'll be aware of her. Uh, She did a, a very long and excellent interview with the Irish Times uh, a few weeks ago about her, her illness and uh, shared a, a comic strip that she wrote about um, Emmy that really um, seems to have uh, had a massive uh, impact uh, and uh, a lot of identification from people who have this illness that we share. So uh, delighted to say that Rose is coming up very shortly. Um, before then... Uh, I got a shout out. A couple of people have got in touch to say they're enjoying the show. So um, thank you to Johnny and thank you to Sheila. Um, thank you very much for getting in touch. Two people who have said they don't actually um, have ME um, or chronic fatigue syndrome, but are listening to the show to educate themselves because they know people who do. And that's lovely. So hi, Johnny and Sheila. Thank you very much for listening. Uh what else do I need to cover before we get into the chat today? I'm a little bit slow off the, 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 the gears aren't quite kicking in just yet. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at zero all about me, you'll know that I took a whole week off. Um, well, this is episode 14, I think, been putting them out since November. Uh, only two weeks in those 14 weeks have I had to take a week off and not... I published a, a show that week. I'm coming up in the chat. Uh, Rosa and I talk about um, how fulfilling it can be and, and how it's nice to have a target of producing something um, each week. And this show is my thing. I like or I, I try to produce each week. And I've only failed at that. Failed is probably too strong a word, isn't it? Let's not use the word fail. I've only not produced a show on time twice. And this was last week was one of those times. Um, I, I had the chat with Rosa in the bag, but um, the editing, which, which as we've discussed before, and if you're an avid listener, you'll know, I, you know, I don't do a heck of a lot there. Um, it's a, it's a casual conversation as you might find in a coffee shop, as we've said before, um, featuring cats this week, I should say, um, you will hear in the chat coming up, um, one of our four cats, Darcy who um, is the most insistent and persistent of the cats. And uh, she decided to get in on the conversation with Rosa. So if you're a cat person, look out for a cameo by Darcy in the um, in the chat coming up. I didn't, uh, I, 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 I couldn't tell when I was chatting to Rosa how loud um, it would come across on the microphone. So I didn't refer to it. And then, of course, when I'm editing afterwards, I'm like, oh, my goodness me, that's that's just a cat wailing in the background, you know. Um, so I hope I hope you don't mind a little cameo from Darcy. And, uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, little, little, little special thing going on there. But I was saying that um, I'd, I'd edited 
I hadn't edited everything, but I'd recorded the chat. But then my illness, the severity symptoms just just really kicked in. Um, couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus, could hardly move off the sofa. And um, took the decision that uh, not only would I not produce a podcast, um, and this was on Sunday, I made the decision and the show comes out on a Monday. Not because, you know, I hadn't finished editing or started editing. Uh, so I decided, instead of putting extra pressure and feeling bad and all, all those things that we're very, very used to um, as people with this illness, uh, I would take a week off. I would take a week off the show. I would take a week off social media. I would just take a week off. And I spent um, four and a half days of that week on the sofa just catching up on professional wrestling and 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 you know some sports and stuff and first of all that's all i could do but it's not often that simple is it um even though i've known in the past that's all i could do i've pushed to try and do more or i've spent that time beating myself up because that's all i could do you know and brave facing it and all that this time i just said to all my friends all my family and to, to, you know, the people who follow me on Twitter and look forward to this show, I just said, I'm taking a week off. That's it. No Twitter. No, no anything else. And uh, clearly it's, you know, we're, we're getting getting back into gear now, I fear. I feel. And uh, it's it did wonders. It, not only, it did wonders is probably a bit far to take it. Uh, it was what was necessary. Uh, and that's that's quite new for me to say without uh, self-recrimination um, or guilt to say, taking a week off, that's what's necessary. See you guys in a week. And I didn't actually feel that bad about it. So I think we're, I think I'm coming along a bit. I think I'm evolving a little bit, you know. Um, but again, I think I should stress that it was taking a week off to be able to continue. Uh, so there's always that, there's, there's not that element of I'm giving up on anything there's just the element that says i'm you know i this is a necessary um little little stopgap it's just necessary um and um i think i'm getting better at being able to identify when it's necessary and actually then accepting it identifying is one thing accepting is the other putting it into practice is the third those are three stages i think you'll probably agree if you have this illness um you got to know it first then you got to you know kind of be okay with that and then you've got to actually put that into practice and uh those three things don't come easy i find uh but they did last week so um you know i was speaking to a friend who who is you know exists in the normal world <laughs> whatever that means she she works a full-time job and all all that and um i was speaking to her and telling her what i what i had done and uh and i was thinking um there's a lot of people, especially in the, the sector that I'm familiar with, in the, the non-profit sector, the charity sector, who work really, really hard. And there's a lot of staff turnover and uh, there's a lot of tiredness. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of burnout. Um, and people just work too damn hard because there's there's not enough money to, to help people, to, to you know give them enough staff for what they need to do, all these things. And I was thinking it would be just wonderful if you could wake up, if you could decide on a Sunday night, do you know what? I'm going to better serve myself and others by taking a week off. And how healthy that would be um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. 
but it made me quite sad to think that that's that's almost a laughable suggestion. Um, I I did it. I did it. I have the dubious luxury of being able to do it. I feel I had no other choice. But I know there's people out there living quite normal lives who could really do with that and actually should do that, but but can't. And that made me a little bit sad. Um, I wish things were different and that people could just you know say you know what I I'm drained. And if I continue, it's not going to serve anybody better. So I'm going to take a nice week and watch professional wrestling. <laughs> or whatever your vice is. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's just some thoughts from me. Uh, so, yes, I've apologised for Darcy being on the show. Did I apologise? I, I apologise. You know, maybe you're not a cat person and you don't like cat cameos. So I apologise if that annoys you. Um, that Darcy pops up a couple of times on the show. I didn't know she was going to be that loud. Um we carried on because we're professionals. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see if she pops up again. Um, she's in walking or she's had her, her breakfast, so she's already asleep um, at the moment. So she, she probably won't interrupt the intro or the outro this week. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we'll come back at the end of uh, this chat with Rosa to talk about how you can get in touch, what's coming up next week, and all that sort of thing. But uh, for now, uh, I don't think there's much more to say. Um, thank you very much for the warm support I got from everybody who who sent me messages whenever I said I was taking a week off. Um, as I say in every episode, I think, nowadays, and as the people we chat with say, there is a very, very strong and supportive online community out there that make things a lot easier than they than they could be. So um, thank you to everybody who were very supportive. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for you all. We're back on track now, hopefully. Um, you know, and uh, let's let's continue that by jumping over to the chat with Rosa Devine. Don't think I need any more introductions. It's uh, it's all on there and uh, we'll we'll get our details and her details after the chat. So enjoy. This is uh, Rosa Devine. Okay, and uh, Rosa, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me along. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And I guess that specific question that we've been asking everybody is, how are you doing today? Such a loaded question as well, considering the uh, the context. Um, but yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm I'm kind of grateful for that at the moment. Right. And what what's kind of in the middle for you? How does how does that feel? What's what's that like physically and mentally for you? In a kind of okay, a, a day to be grateful. What's how does that manifest for you? So. Um, I tend to change most radically over like really long periods of time oh. and I'm having a fairly good couple of months. So at the moment, like an, an okay-ish day, um, like I'm running a bit of a fever, a couple of things kind of ache and pain, um, but I am able to like walk outside. I'm able to take a phone call as demonstrated. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm actually currently in work, which I wasn't last year. Um, and I have very understanding employers who will let me sort of sit quietly at a laptop and feel sorry for myself. Uh, <laughs> but an okay day actually is allowing me to do all those kind of things, uh, at least looking like a functional human, even if it doesn't always feel like it. Oh, absolutely. I can identify. And that's that's amazing. Congratulations for being at work. Um, I'm delighted to hear that. Very happy for you. That's a victory. Yeah, it totally is, isn't it? I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, <laughs> 
and uh, it's one of those things like I think we need to be kind of careful when you like things like congratulations while I appreciate it like it's not that I've done something marvelous my body's just decided to let up Um, and equally you could be out of work and it's not that you haven't done something it just sucks for six months 12 months whatever it is Um, but at the moment break (laughs) (laughs) and really well put and there was a couple of other things I've read that you've said recently that I want to talk about a little later on that have really um the way you relate to and talk about your illness has had a massive impact on me this week but um I got those because about I guess about a week ago now, um, the the little corner of the of the Twitterverse that that uh, I hang out in most of the time amongst uh, people who who have ME or CFS uh, started kicking around this article about you and interview with you in the Irish Times, which featured a um, a comic strip that you had drawn a mm-hmm. while ago, and uh, that's what kind of led to me getting in contact with you. Um, how did that article come about and uh, and the comic strip as well? I'm really fascinated by this. And for folks who don't know what we're talking about, I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes to it so you can check it out yourselves. But uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, uh, I mean, the comic in that has a, has a really long story. So I'll, I'll try and give you an honest history. Um, mm. I first got into comics when I first got really ill. Um, because as I'm sure many people who listen to this will know, reading's like really hard if you're struggling with concentration and memory issues. Um, so as I got into reading them, I got into drawing them a bit as well. Um, and then for a good while after I had started to kind of sort of recover, I forever in my sketchbook had like bits of moments that I remembered really clearly from being ill. Um often just like short stories about someone coming to be just nice to me while I was too ill to go anywhere else. Um, So my sketchbook was full of these like fragments of chronic fatigue, you know, through comics. Um, And then I think it must have been 2013, um, a, a group of comic artists in the United States put out a call for submissions um, for comics on the theme of renewal and reinvention after hardship. Um, as a benefit for the American Society of Suicide Prevention. And they were particularly interested in stories of of health or bereavement or um, anything really that requires you not to just like fix it or get better, but maybe re-understand or reinvent what you thought you were doing. Um, And that call for submissions really appealed to me um, because I don't think you... Well, some people are very lucky, but most of us don't like get better from MECFS. You you adjust your life. Um, so I went back through those sketchbooks and I started pulling things together. And the comic that was published last week in the Irish Times is like maybe the second or third iteration of various short pieces I've done about not so much my experience of being ill, but coming like how you come to terms with something that's life altering. And a little bit maybe hard to explain and understand. Um, so it was originally five pages that was published in an anthology as a benefit for the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And then when the Irish Times came across it and asked if they could republish it, uh, they needed it shortened again and redesigned for their format. So it's an even a more edited version, if that makes sense. 
I see. Is is the the full version? Is that available on your website? Can people see the uh, the original version anywhere? I don't know if the original version is. I know it's been posted through my Patreon, but that costs money. However, I can arrange for it to go up on my website. Uh, <laughs> if you think people would be interested, it's long since past um, the point where the publishers like you not to publish it, so it's it's an easy thing to put up. Uh, you would find a lot of the paneling was very similar. I obviously had to cut some stuff out, right. uh, but I can I can make it available if you think the interest is there. I I think so. I thought I, it certainly had a big impact on me and the amount of people. Um, it's it's what I love as well. We've been talking quite a lot. Um, folks who've been on this show recently have been talking about the the strength of the community online, and I don't know how many people retweeted that that comic to me in in just one day you know it started with the um people who are currently experiencing um me or, or cfs and then family members throughout the day started sending it to me as well uh so i thought it was a really massive reach i thought it was it was very cool to um it certainly seemed to get a lot of attention on that day um which i think is no bad thing yeah it was quite astounding i mean i really thought it would be a one of those things that happens and, and tumbleweed and, you know, you get to say that you once published something in the Irish Times. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people really took it up. Um, and to be fair to the Irish Times, they made a huge amount of space for it as well. I seem to be jammed in a back page somewhere. Um, <laughs> but they they did apparently take the time to, to foreground the work. Um, um, yeah. Uh, with, the, with the comic, there was a... There was a really good interview as well. And again, I think the Times seems to have um, done a really good job. I, I, I anyway thought the article was fantastic about the way they talked about the illness and they seem to have um, listened to you quite a bit in how they, they put the piece together. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a bit that has really struck me um, and you refer to it there whenever you're talking about your renewal or reinterpretation or reshaping how you relate to the illness. Um for the last, well, since I started doing this show in November, I've been talking about um, putting pieces together or solving a puzzle, you know, and yeah. saying that maybe somebody will come on and Jack or Jess will say, oh, I do this meditation and I can add that to solve my puzzle. But you've um, you've made me think a different way about that, then I probably won't use that terminology anymore, thanks to something you said uh, about the dangers of actually thinking that if I just try hard enough, I'll fix it. Yeah, it's very compelling, though, isn't it? And I think it's such a natural. Uh, I almost want to say like a phase, like you can't not go through that. Mm. Um, it's it's so deeply written into how we deal with everything in our culture. And it's even quite deeply written into how medicine approaches things in our culture. Um, you know, you're you're ill and you go to the doctor and they're specially trained to fix you. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's then just like really baffling when they're not. And it's not their fault, but it's just you've been raised to expect that you live in a fixable machine. And it turns out that's not true at all. Um, that's been a recent one for me. So I think I'm about 13 years now since I was diagnosed initially. Wow. And last year was kind of maybe the third like major bad period if that makes sense 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I've been lucky to have long periods where I know I'm ill, but I can function. You know, I can I can get through a degree or I can get through a job or, you know, I have, I have a higher absence rate than I might like, but I can function. Yeah. Um, and then I seem to get these really acute periods where it's like, absolutely not. Can't wash my hair, can't leave the house, can't take a phone call. You know, this is me gone for 12 months. Um, and last year was kind of the third really serious bad period I've had um so I've had I guess there's a bit of experience coming in there um and maybe just age I mean I was a teenager when I got sick the first time but I started rethinking a lot of those things and thinking about how I respond to people who are trying to help by trying to fix that puzzle for you um and I just thought I can't survive if I keep thinking I've done this to myself that's just like a really difficult thing to have in your own head yeah um so yeah changing that way of thinking has really helped without that being I give up you know Uh like of course you try and find things that help and you try to understand but I've just backed off that notion of yeah like you say it's, it's, it's a puzzle I can fix and then it'll be fixed and I can leave it it'll be perfect forever yeah and that's yeah, that's that's just not the case. I, as you said earlier, um, for some people, that can and, click. And brilliant! Know. Like I wish it yeah. was all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Go forth, my friends. I hope it's you. <laughs> <laughs> and you also point out that that idea of um, if we stay with the puzzle idea, um, that that can actually be quite difficult for the ones who love us as well, because there is that every day I don't get better is a day that I we have failed at something then you know if I keep that way of thinking that oh I just need to fix the puzzle every day I wake up ill again I haven't fixed the puzzle which means I failed in some way and that's really difficult Mm, yeah and it's really difficult as well for people who've got the energy to worry about 24 7 at least you and I are going to sleep it off every so often Uh, yeah, and I think that's something that, especially the first time around, my mother really struggled with. Mm, yes. Um, I mean, both my parents, obviously, but I've, I've spoken more to my mum about it. And she she worked so hard at trying to fix it. Um, and that's it's just a desperate way to spend your time. And in some ways, I guess it's good. The tenacity was there. She got me in front of the people who eventually went, well, this is, you know, CFS and here's a letter and take it to your disability service. Yeah. Um, and that tenacity is necessary. But but the, the keeping going, like, if so long as we don't give up, the solution must be there. I mean, I can't even begin to think how emotionally exhausting that must have been when you had two children and one of them was ill and, you know, you have a job and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, very hard on the people around you, I think, if there's the expectation that if you just all sit down and work it out at the dinner table, surely you guys <laughs> can sort this out and get it out of the way. Oh uh, yeah, oh man, it's whenever I read that, it honestly, I I'm so grateful um, for you doing that interview because it did, it blew my mind and changed my thinking. I think, as you say, it probably is a phase um, that we all go through i'm sure lots of people identify with that but i feel that in reading the interview i've managed to perhaps get through that phase a little quicker that i think maybe that realization might not have come to me for another good few years so um i'm super grateful for that i really am that's that's probably saved me and loved ones uh a fair amount of of trauma i think 
or well, struggle. I'm, I'm very, very pleased to hear any small thing helped in any way. So I do hope it's <laughs> it's a positive addition. I think so. But you, you spoke about um, getting diagnosed, or at least, sorry, uh, the symptoms coming on when you were when you were quite young. Um, that's not. I I think my experience is it probably hit really big in my uh, in my thirties, early thirties, late twenties. But mm. um, that must have been a real thing to happen whenever you're you were in your teens, I think, weren't you? Yeah, I think. I mean, it's so hard to stick a pin in the calendar, but mm. I think kind of sixteen. My goodness. Um, yeah, when I was when I was sixteen, so I'm not I'm not sure if you're in in the north or the south, but in um, the Republic we do a thing called transition year. All right, after yes. The junior cert, um, and then before you go into the senior cycle to do the leaving cert. Uh, so yeah, I'm my health just started getting really bizarre during transition year, and then the summer before I was meant to go into fifth year, it just completely fell apart. Uh, so yeah, I was young, and I think younger than is most common although i'm really reluctant to make any kind of generalizations yeah and i do think it is associated with more often people who are maybe a decade or two older than that um but maybe there's an upshot in a sense you're very protected as a teenager um and in the sense that when we didn't know what was going on for the first six months in the first year i mean at least i didn't have issues of like what happens when my salary (laughs) stops and what happens when I'm dismissed from work and um you know when you get sick as an adult there's an awful lot more going on on that side of the stress yeah um that I'm quite grateful I didn't have the first time around I wouldn't advise getting sick at any age but (laughs) that's possibly the upshot of being sick as a teenager at least some of the problems are technically your parents (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah that's that's a way of looking at it Um, positivity in all things well played (laughs) well played (laughs) and whenever you got um the diagnosis at a young age then and you're uh, essentially find out okay you've got this illness um that that doesn't have the simple cure that we kind of expect whenever one is given a diagnosis the next step is and here's the answer Mm. uh how was that then to deal with and how have you how do you continue to deal with that to this day yeah that was a very slow process and also around about that time 2006 they thought they did have a cure Mm. because it was the graded exercise therapy and cognitive behavior therapy which hadn't come under as much criticism as it has now Uh, And I think now it's like, here's a tool that might help. Uh, But then it was, here's a solution. Right. Uh, So I was diagnosed with this thing and packed off to a doctor who tried a few things and was like, oh, we'll do this. And, you know, here's the here's the method and here's the timescale and and off you go. And so it snuck up on me a lot later, actually, that. uh, The really important letter in all the ridiculous letters that you have to learn to say really quickly when you go CFSME, something like that, <laughs> is chronic. And right. that just passed me by for the first few years. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was about maybe 18 and I was reading, <laughs> this is ridiculous, I was reading a book of short stories that someone had brought me. 
because uh-huh. short stories are easier to read than novels, all the reasons. Yeah. Um, and they had just dug it out of like a bargain basket at a secondhand shop and kind of thought, oh, short stories, Rosa likes to read, sure, I'll, you know, bring it around to her house and see what she likes. And what the person who bought it for me hadn't copped was that it was a published in aid of one of the Emmy associations in the US. Oh, wow. So in the front, it had this introduction about this illness that I had that I clearly knew nothing about. That was utterly terrifying. <laughs> because it's a fundraiser. So they're explaining why it's such an awful life shattering oh, no. And I was reading this going, what? What do you mean this never gets better? What do you mean this is it for? What? Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I, that really didn't register the first time. And it's possible doctors were telling us and we just weren't hearing it. Yeah. But yeah. I thought, okay, it's a slow fix, but there, you know, it goes. Um, so I was probably into my 20s before that reality landed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know what, you, you've blown my mind with that. Um, the most important letter being the C and the chronic. Mm-hmm. That That is... It's right there, isn't it? So, yeah, that's that's really blown. This is me live having my brain blown by that. I, I haven't had that re- revelation. That's uh, that's really cool and incredibly depressing at the same time. Uh, wow. Sorry. That's, that's, nah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. So I asked this to Rita uh, two weeks ago. Um with all that said, do you have hope? Yeah. Um, of course I have hope. What do I have hope for? Interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I have hope for lots of things. I think there's probably a part of you that can never give up on the sense that you get your life back. Um, and it's a bit of a maybe totally irrational part of you, but it's just natural. Um, I've kind of tried to shelve that one. Um, and I'm really hoping for for balance mm. um, and this word that I'm trying to learn to love rather than fight back against, actually learn what the limitations are and work with them rather than be something that you kind of fear and then you hit them and then you relapse and it's awful. Um, so, yeah, I think having fought it really hard in my 20s, which I don't recommend, um, I have hope now that I maybe will will work out a balance that works for whatever this reality is. And it could have been anything else. Like I could have had a toddler and that would equally make my life really difficult. Um, <laughs> and just working out what that needs to be and just build a life around it that isn't constantly being held up to the mirror of, is this what would have happened if I hadn't been ill? I um, see, Yeah. And maybe there's an expiry date on that. I mean, sometimes people say to me, oh, well, you know, if you hadn't been ill, X. I'm like, it's, you know, been ill since I was 16. Who on earth knows? Like, that person's not real. Yeah. So why is yeah. that person being held up as the standard? Um, so I think, yeah, if I can move into that space, that would probably be a really positive thing. Yeah, well, that makes absolute sense. I like that a lot. And in the the ceasing fighting and learning to to live and understand and respect how are you um how do you go about no learning your limits and then living by your limits how, what kind of techniques have you applied or thinking have you applied to to make that possible mm. I've tried a few things um 
it's hard to know which ones are like the most effective. Mm. When I was really having like in a really deeply bad phase, and I've heard you speak about this on your podcast before, uh, this idea of, of tracking your time use, like by the hour or the half hour, I was asleep, I was awake. Um, I do find that helpful during really rough periods, if only to reassure myself that I am actually really unwell. You know? <laughs> yes, I You're can not imagining this. No one whose life looks like that is just doing it for the crack. Like this is you're fine. Go back to bed. Yeah. Um, and almost trying to develop for myself a mental checklist of things that are warnings before it becomes this is uncopable with. So obviously I can't do X, leave the house, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um. And just trying to be a bit more tuned into I'm a little bit distracted or that hurts a little bit or I'm really struggling to get out of bed in a way that you could choose to see as normal. No one likes to get out of bed on a Monday morning. <laughs> um, and I think for a long time, like I just I just wouldn't see those small things because I didn't want to yes. and go and go and go and go and go and crash. And it would be awful and be really angry and really frustrated. And then as soon as I could go again, you'd go straight back into that mode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so try and be a bit more sensitive to that. And also I've just started telling people. So I didn't really tell anyone I was sick in my early 20s. I obviously just must have come across as really weird and antisocial, but I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> people say, do you want to come to something? I'd be like, no, thank you, I can't. But I wouldn't ever explain anything. It's like almost like a secret. Mm, yeah. Um, and I've gotten a lot more upfront with like friends and colleagues and anyone who's interacting with me like I have this thing it doesn't define me but it's going to make a lot of my behaviors make way more sense um and then sometimes people help you like people at work will be like do you need to go home because you seem to think you're fine but you're not (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've had that one yeah uh and often people around you are way better because they don't have the vested interest in just not believing it's happening again they'll be like this is all of the things we don't like to see go lie down yeah so there are like a couple of things that I'm maybe kind of playing with. I don't have a very clear picture of what this learning to be a bit more balanced and sensible is going to be. It's more of an aspiration than an achievement. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good foundation. I like that. I think that's a, f- a few really good tips. I, I think I've got better myself at, at telling people. Um, and uh, I think as well, for me, um, I've, I've, I've always found it, a real challenge to uh, accept fully that that I had something that's going to hold me back. Because like you said, I want to be that person who, as you described there, just as soon as there's a little bit of, you know, sunlight, I'm I'm just dashing 100 miles an hour at it until I hit another wall. Uh, and I didn't want to admit that, you know, I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. But I think in positioning myself and almost like with this doing this thing here this little dog and pony show it's like um i i'm because i i i'm the guy with the microphone i'm almost setting myself apart and that i feel comfortable in that place i'm not fully comfortable to just be um sitting at the back of a room which is where you'd find me in a in a support group or something like that but if I can be standing at the very front with a microphone in my hand, you know, yeah, then for it. some reason that works for me, you know. Yeah. And that's so important. Finding support that you can live with 
is much more important than I think we spend the time thinking about. Um, because it's a strange, it does say something on some level I can't understand. It seems to impact your sense of identity, the kind of support you seek. Um, uh-huh. And I'm not saying that's healthy or okay, but it seems to be a thing. Um, so yeah, I like if you kind of, someone recommends if you tried a support group or if you tried meditating and you hate it, it's definitely not time to just say, well, support's not for me. There does need to be some mechanism that you can go to. And I love the idea that standing at the front of the room with the microphone is what works for you. That's just fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to treasure that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look for me at the millions missing events, you know. <laughs> I'm waiting for the phone call. <laughs> Uh, talking of support as well, you've talked um, or you talked in the um, the Irish Times interview about your partner and how important, you know, she's been to supporting you as things have been up and things have been down. And I can absolutely identify with that as well. I had uh, Maggie on in um, episode seven talking about her experiences of living with somebody living with MECFS. And it's it's not easy on partners. And I'm incredibly grateful for um, the support that she gives me, but also the, the how we can talk honestly, I think. We, and it took us a while to get there about the extra burdens that she takes on whenever I'm I'm not well. Mm. And that's that's a real it's massive, you know, um, the the financial, the emotional, all that extra responsibility, the administrative uh, down to the cleaning, you know, it's. It's very difficult, I think, to live with somebody who's living with MECFS. It must be. Um, so I'm really grateful to have that. And I, I think from your your interview, you, you seem to feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that, that honesty thing is, is such a cornerstone. I was obscenely lucky. Uh, and I didn't obviously know this when I first met her. But she had already had a friend with ME. Oh, wow. Which... Like, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, when I let on that I had this illness, she didn't have the good sense to just run for the hills. <laughs> uh, so that was really brilliant in that, like, the initial, like, education phase <laughs> wasn't there. And um, now, see, so if you're with your partner when you get sick, then you just go through it together. And I'm sure that has all its own complications. Um, and then obviously like everyone's health is specific and different mm. and all that kind of stuff but yeah the honesty thing and I think when I was really ill in yeah last year in 2018 like three or four months in she was just like I just hate this like I don't hate you you're fine but like god I'm fed up of housework <laughs> <laughs> and for her to feel that it was safe to dislike the housework knowing she could say that safely without it being and I'm pushing this burden on you yeah um I think that kind of safety is really helpful because people need to blow off steam um I know I certainly do when I'm frustrated with my health and it's completely appropriate I guess that your partner gets frustrated with your health but being able to put that distance between your health and you is is a trick I guess that you master over time yeah um but yeah I mean she is she is fabulous. And and then to be fair, we had friends and family who were also like, I'm going to come over that weekend to make sure Elaine goes somewhere else. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and that was really nice. I think for her as well, just to be seen and to be acknowledged that she was going 
above and beyond maybe what you might hope to do for your partner when you're both quite young and in well I'm obviously not in good health but that's the myth and um, <laughs> that people were able to go look and you know we'll be over that weekend and do you want to anything go to a bookshop go to a cafe flee the country you know <laughs> take your 48 hours and go <laughs> Um, oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, I that's good. That. And I think people can do things for carers, actually. Maybe even easier to think do things for us. And perhaps we should encourage that. That's a lovely sentiment. Yeah, I, you're, you know what? That's, again, that's a, I think that's a lovely little sentiment. And I'll I'll think on that one and maybe mention that one again. That's a really nice idea. Uh, that's very cool. Yeah. So was your, are you still... Um, does your illness inform the art that you create still? I know you almost uh, uh, you you um, you created the the piece that was in the Irish Times for the the American Renewal uh, mm. cl- collection. But does the illness continue to inform the things that you produce? Uh, is that something you can't help, or is it uh, would that be going too far? It does continue to inform some of the work I produce. But not all. Um, and I think I'm probably quite happy with that. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do a long form graphic piece, like a graphic novel or something. Um, that's a really deep dive into the experience of illness. Um, and that's kind of something I have on the back burner. Obviously, that's going to take even longer because the energy reserves. Um, <laughs> yes. But I do find for any kind of like longer or bigger piece, you kind of draw on your own experience. And my experience has been dominated by coming to terms with this. Um, and again, a couple of years ago, it would have been like, no, it's not me. You know, I just have something that happened to me. My art's about all this. Now yeah. I'm like, actually, this is me. And I happen now to be an expert on feeling miserable most of the time. So let's go for it. Uh so, yeah, I think it is something I'd actually like to do more of, bizarrely, rather than something I have done a lot of. you just talking about a, a long-form graphic novel um, capturing in some way that experience. Oh, man, I that lit up a spark for me. I would love to read something like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. So we'll, um, I think I probably I'm not alone in, in thinking and feeling that way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope you do... Uh, continue that on the back burner and and produce something like that i think that's a fantastic idea here's hoping i'll be frank with you what i have in draft so far is pretty bleak <laughs> <laughs> it's not nearly as happy clappy as the thing that was written on spec for suicide <laughs> anthology <laughs> but maybe it'll get happier with revisions i'll find a happy ending yeah, well, you know what? I think it is possible. I that's a that's a genuine fear. I think whenever you're producing something, because you know, I do this show because I I have ME, CFS, whatever you want to call it, and um, it's kind of helps me. It's therapeutic. I get to talk to people who also have it, and I learn things, and I grow, and you know, people get identification. But there are some episodes where I'm like, how the hell am I going to end this on a positive note? Mm. You know, but and then I realize I don't. You know, if it's if it's a a heavy subject, if it's something where, you know, like the one I produced just it'll be last week, I should say, where, you know, I had to get accessible seating at a concert for the first time. I was over in Dublin there. And um, that That was. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I the thought that I was sitting there thinking, should I limp? 
you know, it's um, I, I I own that, but it's it's there's times like that where I'm just like this. There's a lot of craziness going on here, and um, sometimes it won't end in a song and a dance. Mm. You know, and I think there's yeah. space for that too. And I think yeah. what's lovely about this podcast, and one of the reasons I I said I would come and do this is, I think the conversations that we have amongst ourselves. Um, and other people who are very involved in our lives can be different to like say something like the Irish Times where you know you're talking to possibly kind of everybody yeah Um, and there is space for those things that are more challenging and tougher and like I do always default towards the optimistic to the point of being I think quite painful to talk to sometimes (laughs) there is there is stuff that's just going to be a bit rubbish probably for the rest of my life and there are things that just are not options for me probably for the rest of my life and and I guess we do need space for that as well yeah just have to do the here's what I'm working on and here's the solutions and you know this is a really nice neat narrative you can all go about your day feeling (laughs) yeah let's face it sometimes when you're ill it's great to know you're not the only one who's really ticked off with the hospital system or the concert seating or whatever it is yeah it is yeah. good to know it's not just you i agree i agree and i think that's the 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 identification is has been really really good for me whenever i'm having a bad day and you can go on twitter or if you're having a pretty good day and you can go on a social media or listen to another show or talk to somebody and um you can kind of say yeah yeah i know what that's that's like and identify with them as well mm. um it's it is hugely important, I think. Again, we need that for whatever reason, uh, we as people, I think. And it's not as simple as that misery loves company. I think it's it's deeper. It's it's a fellowship of people who who can truly understand. It's it's seeking understanding, isn't it, I think? Um yeah. knowing that people understand your your darkest times. Yeah, and the lack of isolation. I was listening to someone recently. And they were like a medical sociologist or some bizarre title I'd never heard. Mm. Um, But they had done research into people who cope and people who don't cope in relation to medicine. And the thing, one of the really striking things that they found was it's not just whether you're ill or really ill or really, really, really ill. But it's how many other people you know who are similarly ill. Or it's how many people you know who are similarly struggling with poverty or who similarly are whatever your challenge is. Um, And actually, it's not just misery loves company. It's if you can access a network of people with similar experiences, it can level you. And you don't just feel the massive gap between my quite isolated experience and whatever your local norm is. And obviously, with something as unusual as MECFS, although... Sometimes on the internet, it feels like everyone has it because they're the corners I'm in. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, like if you just walk down my street, I am the only one. And if your experience is that isolated, whatever your condition or situation is, apparently you are much less likely to cope. Um, so we're actually building things that are that are positive in apparently medically sociologically something way i thought it was really interesting that someone had gone out and documented it that is and i'm i'm very glad to hear that that's that's cool we're we're doing something okay and right yeah uh, yeah i'll take that i'll take that all day i'm very so, few spoons <laughs> go us 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well done. Just for today, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, so what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment then on the if the if the long form comic is in the uh is the graphic novel, sorry, is in the back burner, what are you kind of working on at the moment and uh how can people um engage with the the things you're producing at the moment um well it's the very start of shocked and nagelga here um and i and my sister together run a uh, irish language webcomic um so that's probably the thing that i produce most regularly fantastic is completely hit and miss the point for me is to produce something every week where i can at all um, and if I feel awful, it's just an awful comic, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, and that for me is one of those things that I use to drag myself along in bad weeks. Like it was a terrible week, but I did post that really bad Irish language comic and that's fine. Two people read it, but I did it. That's a one of those things I really do for myself. Yeah. Um, but that is online. Uh, it's grananonlay.tumblr.com. As you can tell, I put a huge amount of... Uh, effort into that web hosting um <laughs> there, there is a link to it from my website um and otherwise i generally kind of i have up to now been artist for hire and i've worked with other writers um i'm gonna I think start moving into longer term projects that will bubble away in the background that potential deep dive into living with illness is going to be one of them Mm-hmm. Um, which does mean, unfortunately, a lot of work at the moment is um, being documented behind a paywall, which is maybe not the friendliest thing in the world. But when you can't get out of bed to go to work, that seemed like a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, things will show up on my website occasionally when I have the spoons. <laughs> <laughs> when I have the spoons. Um, uh, the website is uh, Rosa Divine. Yeah, dot, dot com. Dot com. Okay, yeah. and that'll be in the show notes as well. And anything else we've made reference to today, just look down if you're listening to this on your podcast app and look at the show notes. It'll all all be there. Um, well, Rosa, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, clearly, you've, you know, um, you have really given me massive amounts to think about this week and I'll be taking a lot from this conversation and from the interview in the Times as well. I'm really super grateful. And I, like you, I, I can totally identify with the producing something every week. That's, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that that people like yourself come on this show because it allows me to produce my thing every week, you know. So thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, we will follow your work eagerly anticipating the day whenever the spoons are are sufficient to allow this deep dive into illness to come about that's not anything like what i'm writing but that would otherwise be a great title for something somebody writes something called whenever the spoons are sufficient (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) i will in the event that i ever get it near an editor or a publisher i will absolutely let you know um, and it's been lovely to be on, and I'm delighted to come across someone else who has a thing that do every week that keeps them sane. So good for the soul. Um, oh. And it's been really lovely to talk to you. You too, Rosa. Thank you so much, and we'll we'll definitely keep in touch. Take care. Take care. 
Okay, and it's me, uh, just me, back once again. Uh, wow, that was a great, uh, great chat. Um, thank you so much to Rosa Devine. And uh, as I said towards the end of the chat, all her information, beginning with Rosa Devine uh, dot com, uh, is in the show notes. So if you scroll down, look down, click down, you'll find uh, her website link. You'll find the link to her Irish language comic and uh, other ways to get in touch with her. Um, yeah, um, you know, these aren't just standard interviews. You know, I, I, I really don't, I don't use the word, I'm not an interviewer. Um, that's not what I do. And um, I have a, clearly, a genuine vested interest in what these people are, are, are coming here to talk about. You know, I myself have, have ME, CFS, um, so whenever somebody introduces a new way of thinking, which has happened quite a few times in this show, um, that it, it, you know, it, it hits me a little bit, you know, it, it knocks me off my stride somewhat. It's, uh, you know, I, if you were on a Friday night or weekly, uh, nightly talk show, that would obviously, um, be deeply unprofessional. Um, but I, I hope that, Maybe you have the same response sometimes to to what some people say in the show. We are especially whenever Rosa mentioned about the the C, um, in in uh, CFS being one of the most important letters. Um, that's something that really did blow my mind. I'm still kind of processing it. I think I think I'm processing a lot of what we talked about. Um, but. Yeah, so I hope you have the same response that I do, that you hear me having live sometimes, because it's not just a, hey, come here and, and you know, share your story or whatever. It's, it's you know, I created this, this show originally for, you know, so I could talk to the world and, and find out more about my illness and experience shows that whenever doctors don't have a very clear answer, that it's the the people who are ill are the people to talk to so that's that's what i did uh yeah so i i really hope that you got as much out of that chat that i did um thank you very much rosa for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll we'll hear from her again in the future and see uh see where this this um long form deep dive comic uh, graphic novel uh, when it um comes hopefully sooner rather than later because i think that'll be a very exciting prospect Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up for this week. Um, not really much more to say. Uh, if you want to come on the show, and like I said a couple of weeks ago, in my head, there's just, you know, you're in a queue. So just let me know whenever it's your turn to come and come and have a chitty chat. Um, try and have a chat every two weeks. Um, so um, if you feel like being up next, get in touch. You can do that. Um, on Twitter, it's zero all about me, and on email, it's really not all about me at gmail.com. Both of those are again just below in the show notes. And uh, next week, next week, we're gonna be it'll be just me, um, but still, you know, don't hit the unsubscribe button, um, please. Uh, next week, uh, doctors and diets. I went to the doctor um, about a week or so ago and uh, had a good wee chat about my my illness with the doctor so i'll be talking about that and uh, and diet and then any other bits maybe an update on the um on the tracking and the pacing diary as well i think 
so that's to look forward to next week um for now thank you so much for downloading thank you so much for listening for getting in touch for sharing your experience um i'm incredibly grateful i really am gratitude comes easy despite the fact that i have um this illness um one thing we adapt you know we adapt whenever we have to adapt we don't always have to adapt but we adapt when we do and i'm delighted to say um so today is is monday and uh um yesterday was was saint patrick's day here uh so it's a national holiday today for us um i i love going for um afternoon tea you know where you get the sandwiches where you get the scones and the buns and the cakes and the blah 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 and the tea and it's all very fancy um i love doing that and uh, i don't always have the energy to do that i don't always have the money to do that it can be a costly little uh um, indulgence so uh maggie and i are having afternoon tea at home today and i i gotta tell you i am so excited um i'm so excited that's how we're going to be spending our national holiday afternoon um is by uh you know we got the sandwiches we've got the uh the scones we've got the buns we've got the little savory bits uh i got a teapot um so afternoon tea at home today is is how uh how old patty is going to be spending his day i hope you have the best day that you can thank you very much for downloading the show take care of yourself and each other and i'll speak to you next week cheers bye